beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of Life is Messy. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you're still with me on this crazy, messy journey of mine. For today's episode, we dive into my decision about Henry, find love in surprising places, and once again feel hijacked and doomed to have a hard life. I know it sounds dramatic, but it is going to be a good episode. Before we commence, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. For your own benefit, I would really recommend that you go back and start from episode one though. This series is my personal story and is best heard as told. Since it is my personal story, it's my truth as I've experienced and lived in. The names in these series have been changed to maintain confidentiality, minus mine of course, and that of my son who said he was okay with me using his real name. It's interesting what came up this week. It's truly a labor of love to do this. I feel like I'm giving birth to each and every episode. Processing the physical stress as it takes about three days to write and record these, but more importantly, the emotions that come up with each episode, the feelings that rise up for attention. So I believe that I can honor, release, heal, and love them, which is probably why they take so long to write. But it's one thing to commit to being honest, raw, and real. It's another doing it week after week especially as all the shit that has broken my heart and the things that I'm not proud of surfaces. But that's the gig, right? Because I'm not really committing to all of you to be real and honest. I'm committing to myself to show up and love every part of me as I'm writing my story, including my shame, remorse, regret, embarrassment, anger, grief, and more importantly, what came up this week, my insecurity. My insecurity about what you will think of me as we continue down the path. And see, that feels like little Eva to me. And that's what I'm trying to change, not just for me, but for anyone listening. I want to invite all of us to keep sharing the parts of us that don't want to come out into the light, don't want to be seen. Because just like me, you are absolutely lovable for all of you, everything that makes up you. And I truly mean everything. So just a little peek into my current self. I'm not doing this lightly, and I am so grateful that you are still with me. Okay, I think we'll end it here today. (laughs) Just kidding. Don't panic. That's what I want to say, but no, we have a juicy episode today, so get comfortable and let's dive in. We left off at, I'm 21. Yes, I turned 21 a month after Avery was born. In fact, my mom and I went to a Mexican restaurant to celebrate my 21st birthday, and I decided... Why not? I deserve to have a small margarita, so ask the waiter for one. My mom said that she would join me and have one too. The waiter looked at me, then asked for my ID, and as I was reaching for my purse, I heard my mom say, do you see the baby that she has in the child seat next to her? What more proof do you need, honestly? Then she turned to me and started talking. So he walked away, a little shocked, but that was that. My mom was the sweetest woman, but she had her own fire when it came to her children. Anyway, I'm 21 and going back to college. In typical Eva fashion, I didn't decide on one major and then that was that. Oh no. If you remember, my original major was early childhood education. It's during this semester that I became pregnant. Well, now having a small child, I didn't want to be responsible for other people's small children, so decided on elementary education. You know, they were older kids and it was more about teaching them, less about babysitting them. Then I decided that nope, Didn't want to work with young kids at all, so changed my major to psychology. Then I decided that being paid to listen to people's problems and being one-on-one with them, you know, hearing them cry, whine, etc., 
Yes, I didn't have the best view of therapy at the ripe age of 21. Some might even say that I was jaded. What? Regardless, psychology wasn't suited best for me at that time. Now I actually work with people one-on-one, -on -one, but that's another story. So my major became sociology. It allowed me to play in the bigger picture arena and be more behind the scenes. Just to be clear, I didn't change majors every week or so. I went to a semester for each of these. I learned by doing and experiencing things. And honestly, if I were able to listen to the signs back then, I would have realized that the universe was trying to help me and show me that I was only picking majors that I thought I was quote unquote qualified for. For instance, on the first day for elementary education, I got an offender render. The guy rear-ended me and then took off. Luckily, there was a fire station across the street from the school. They saw the whole thing and told me to park in their lot and they would try to do some smart fixing. The guy had torn off my back bumper. I was so grateful as I had Avery in the car and we were running late. When we got back to the station, they had wired my bumper back on my car, which was so sweet. We baked them bread and dropped it off the next day to say thanks. But I didn't heed the sign, so I went through the whole semester to discover what I probably knew in the first place, that I didn't want to be working with children now that I had my own. So psychology it was. Well, the first day of school for this major, I got a call on my way to school saying that my financial aid was thoroughly messed up and I couldn't start classes that day and Avery couldn't go to daycare. It was a nightmare, but I got it taken care of and we were back at school and daycare the next day. Yes, I did go the full semester, ignoring my intuition and finally chose sociology. At this point, I started to see the pattern and was looking for any signs, messages that would say this wasn't the right move. Well, no wrecks or financial issues, so I guess I was okay. We got a little off track, but I wanted to be in the flow of the story today. So let's go back and talk about the first day that I dropped Avery off at daycare. This was the daycare that I used to teach at. Tanya was still the primary teacher, so I knew Avery was going to be in good hands. I walked Avery in, showed him around, introduced him to Tanya, and told him that this was a school that we had been talking about for a while. He was going to stay there, play, learn, and then I would pick him up after my school got out. He shook his head yes, and then I started to walk to the door. He lost it. He was sobbing and holding his hands out to me. It broke my heart. I didn't know what to do. Tanya looked at me and said, you know the drill, he'll be fine once you leave. And I thought he would. Most kids cried the first time, but then would get distracted with other kids, toys, games, etc. Not Avery though. I went by two hours later between classes and looked at him through a gap in the fence and he was still crying. When I went to pick him up six hours later, Tanya said that he never stopped crying. She was quite perplexed. She had never seen a kid so focused and undistractable. It took Avery a full week to adjust. I was so grateful that Tanya was in charge though. I knew she had the love and patience that Avery needed. He didn't adjust to new things very well and had gotten so used to spending every moment with me. But by Monday the next week, he was okay. More than okay, he loved it. For me, honestly, going to school and being in class with other adults was pure luxury and such a relief. I needed to be around other adults and be doing something for myself. I also wanted to do well for Avery. Henry and I had been struggling for a while, but I was trying to figure it out. It had recently gotten worse though. He had just let me know that he was planning on going to San Francisco to get his master's in fine art. It took me a moment and then I said, that's great, babe. We can make it work out there. Families do it all the time. When were you thinking of doing this? He said, oh no, I'm just going to go to San Francisco. I said, what? He said, yeah, I mean, you guys can stay here and we can figure it out. 
I said, are you telling me that you're going to leave me and your son here in Colorado while you leave for another state to get your master's? He said, yes, that's what I'm saying. I really don't see the big deal. So that's what I'm working with. Raising Avery, going to college, working as a waitress server, and apparently dating a man-child. The good news was that Avery and I were doing well. I was enjoying my classes, Avery loved being at daycare, and I had a decent job. I was a server at a tourist Italian restaurant in downtown Denver. The job itself wasn't great, but the people that I worked with were. One such person was Anna. She was amazing and helped me get through everything. In fact, we are still friends to this day, and she married another amazing woman that we worked with. Who says you can't meet the love of your life at work? The job itself was easy. Along with my peers, I enjoyed messing with the clientele. It was just too easy. I have a dry and witty sense of humor and love us, humans. And I love to not take myself, each other, or things too seriously. In that spirit, here were two of my favorite things to do. First, at this restaurant, we had these nice branded long glasses you got for free when you ordered an Italian soda. Some kind and unsuspecting customer would ask if they could really take the cup home with them. I would look around and say, yes, if you run right now, I'll cover you. The other was when I was young, I looked a lot like Julia Roberts from the Pretty Woman movie. And people would often ask, do you know who you look like? And I would say, yeah, I do. People tell me all the time that I look like Diana Ross. Or I would say, Tina Turner, or perhaps Cher. And of course I would say it with a straight face and then say, oh, is that not who you were going to say? And they would look at me and say, mm, no, we were thinking more like Julia Roberts. And I would say, huh, I hadn't heard that one, but I love it. Since this is audio and you can't see me, I am a very white woman, which is what made this joke funny. At least it did for me. And I'm not sure if my humor went over well on everyone, but it made the nights and days go by a little quicker and gave us all a laugh. Then it would be time to get home. There was always a moment in the day, no matter how good the day was going, that home was waiting. The house that had become like a prison of some sorts with a partner that made me feel unworthy of love, unworthy of fighting for our relationship, unworthy of his time or presence, just unworthy. I found that it was lonelier to be with someone that didn't want to be with you than to be alone. So I spent all my time with Avery and Chinook and together the three of us were happy. But after Henry told me he was going to leave without us, I was heartbroken and disappointed for the last time. So with that, I told Henry that I wanted us to get help go to a therapist. I'd been saying it for a while, but I meant it this time. It wasn't okay that he wanted to leave us, that he was never home and that he didn't help parent Avery. The situation was not okay anymore. I told him that by August, if we didn't do something, Avery and I would move out. And to be clear, I was not messing around. If nothing happened, my stuff would be packed and ready to move by August 1st. It was February at the time. Of course, he said the right things. He didn't want me to leave him. He wanted this to work, and yes, let's get help. Henry had always been good about saying the right things, following up with words with action. Now that I didn't say often. And I knew in my gut where this was headed and that I would have to stick to my word because I had made a decision that I didn't have to be depressed or treat it like I didn't matter, that Avery deserved to be in a happier household, even if it was just with me. I decided that I would rather be on my own with all that would entail than continue to hustle for my worth. To add insult to injury, Henry's parents and family, and to be honest, some of mine, were convinced that we were not doing well because of me. Of course, it had to be me, right? 
It couldn't be their son or Henry. Oh, well. One thing I was unfortunately used to at this point was being misjudged and not being liked. It's not easy being a young, strong, fiery woman who stands in her truth and will lean into conflict to get resolution. It doesn't mean I like conflict, but it does mean that I'm not necessarily scared of it. I had gotten used to the idea that I might be disliked and was going to most likely create waves no matter what I did. And I was over it. I didn't want to try to be the good girl anymore. It wasn't working anyway. My mom, on the other hand, was in full support of me no matter what I did. Around this time, I met a woman from Japan named Hamari. We had a sign language class together. We talked in class one day and I told her that I would be happy to help her with any papers, editing, etc. since English was a complicated language. She was really appreciative and said she would love that. We started hanging out and she became a really good friend. She took to Avery too and he loved her. It was so nice to hang out with someone that was my age who actually wanted to hang out with not only me, but Avery too. I'd lost most of my friends when I had Avery. You know, it's not too cool to have a small child when you were my age. Not only was Hamari a good friend, but she became my lifeline. She was easy and enjoyable to be around. We were both feeling supported by the other. I was helping her with English and being in America. She and being my friend and loving Avery the way she did. It was so good for Avery to have her in his life. So it's now April and there has been no change with Henry. Every month I reminded him that I would be leaving August 1st unless things changed. And every month he would say, sure, sure, getting on it. Trusting what I saw in the situation, I asked Hamari if she would be willing to share an apartment with Avery and I. She said that she would love to. It would help her with her cost and she enjoyed being around both of us. So I started looking for an apartment. They were not cheap though and all of them said they would not accept Chinook. He was just too big of an animal for the apartments I could afford. Even though I continued to look for apartments, it was becoming apparent that I wasn't going to find one that would allow Chinook. So that was that. I wasn't going to leave him. No way in hell. I made peace about eating my words and staying past August. It was June at this point. After all, I could bear Henry in this situation for longer, at least until I could afford a better apartment that would accept Chinook. I had been in worse situations. We would figure it out. Henry at this point was rarely home anyway. In fact, I'm not sure where he spent his time. I actually thought that maybe he was seeing someone else, but honestly, at that point, just didn't have the energy to care. He didn't help with Avery or housework or groceries or anything. He just did his own thing. He always said that he didn't have money, that he was super busy with school and his part-time job, which is interesting, right? I went to college, took a full load of courses, had a job at the restaurant, and managed to take care of Avery, the house, my schoolwork, etc. This is not me stroking my ego. It's just me being real with the situation I was living in. It was pretty surreal. It was my first everything. First serious relationship, house, being a mom. I guess I thought you just stuck with it and figured it out. That maybe it was a sign that I couldn't move out because of Chinook. And it's not that Henry didn't watch Avery ever. He did when I was at work sometimes. I mean, it usually ended up being his mom or dad, but sometimes he did too. His parents were great with Avery. They loved him. Henry's mom, though, well, let's just say that she wasn't my biggest fan. I think she was convinced that I was creating the situation with Henry, that I was being dramatic when I said he was planning on going to grad school alone and that he was never home. She couldn't ever see my side. I would imagine that she saw me as the woman who ruined Henry's life, got knocked up, killed Henry's chances of being a normal young adult and made him miserable. She never said this to me, but it's what I felt when she interacted with me. It's how she treated me. 
I knew she loved Avery, though, and she loved me in the best way that she could. She just couldn't see her son for what he was. It was easier to put blame on me than to imagine that her son had become the man that was right in front of us. But sometimes we can't nor want to see the obvious. So it's June, and I asked Henry to take out the trash, please, that it had Avery's diapers in it and I was at school. His school and part-time job were close to the house so he could get home and do it. Well, he didn't do it, and I walked into the most heartbreaking scene. Chinook had gotten into the trash and ate Avery's diaper. Sorry, everyone. He was laying on the kitchen floor. Not moving or breathing, he was dead. I couldn't process what I was seeing. I dropped to my knees and grabbed Chinook and started sobbing. Henry came home shortly after and called my mom. I was inconsolable. I couldn't let him go or stop crying. I felt like I had let him down. I was so angry with Henry, with myself. I couldn't come to terms with the fact that he was gone. My best friend. The only being keeping me sane. Oh, my sweet friend, I'm so sorry. His stomach had turned inside out because of the diaper that he ate. He was four years old. My mom finally convinced me to let go of Chinook. They had called the vet and he had come to pick him up, would cremate him and bring back his ashes. I said, no, no ashes, I can't, I just can't. I stayed on the kitchen floor and just sobbed. My mom held me and Avery laid in my lap sobbing with me. I was really depressed after I lost Chinook, to say the least. He was my best friend. He had kept Avery and I safe, sane, loved. What the hell was I going to do now? And then the realization hit. Chinook was my best friend. And I truly believe that he gave me the freedom that I couldn't have with him alive. I believe that this was his way of looking out for me. That he knew I wouldn't leave him behind. That I would stay in the miserable place that I was. He set me free. But he also broke my heart. So I was free to look for an apartment. At this point, I was over anything that Henry could say or do, almost apathetic to an extent. So I signed a lease with Hamari and moved out on August 1st. Henry had a moment of consciousness when I left and said that he had only lied to me about three things while we were together. The first, how much money he had had and that he had hid it from me. I knew this because while I was packing some of my things, I found a box full of cash but didn't care at that point. The second was where he spent his time. I didn't even want to open this Pandora box. And the third is that he never quit smoking. Oh, is that all? Well, it was nice because this sealed and justified why I was leaving him. It really helped me to not feel so bad for breaking up the family, for choosing Avery and me. So I moved in with Hamari into my first apartment. Not the best place, but not the worst either. It would do just fine. It was safe and loving. After some time, Hamari and I got involved romantically, and she became my girlfriend. This was my first lesbian relationship. I was in love, again. My dad offered to have Hamari out to California so she could see the coastline. So all three of us went, and we had a great time. Minus the fact that I couldn't tell my dad I was involved with her. I guess I felt guilty that it hadn't been that long since I left Henry. Although, Henry had left me way before I left him physically. And to be fair, I was new to being in a lesbian relationship. I grew up in an open environment, but had never experienced anything like this before. 
I was still processing it myself, so didn't want to get others involved just yet. And my dad had always had a way of making me feel like everything I did wasn't right. I just thought this would be another thing that he didn't approve of. I know these are excuses, 100%, I own that. But this was also my truth when I was young. Shortly after that, Hamari's dad offered to bring me to Japan to say thank you for all that I had done for his daughter. I was thrilled and nervous. I had never been out of the country. I said yes, and we went to Japan. Avery was young, so I decided that he should stay with Henry, my mom and Henry's mom while I was away. It was only gonna be 10 days. I had a blast in Japan. It was the year of the dragon, which is my Chinese animal, so it was pure magic. Of course, in Japan, being gay was not an option, especially back then and in the town that Hamari was from. So we were yet again with our family and incognito. We made the most of it though and came back refreshed. When I went to pick Avery up, he was so excited to see me. He started grinning and running towards me, but stopped halfway, dropped the smile, crossed his arms and scowled at me. He was so angry that I had left him. I found out from my mom that he spent 90% of his time with her and with Henry's mom. Poor Avery. I hugged him and told him that I wasn't going anywhere and that I was sorry he was upset. He finally caved and started to cry and hug me. After that, we all moved into a nicer apartment closer to downtown. So it was close to our college, Avery's daycare, my mom, and work. We were paying a lot more, but splitting it, so okay. I was struggling with Hamari though. Well, I would say we were struggling. I couldn't come out of the closet as being bi and I was frustrating her and breaking her heart. She wanted to marry me, build a life, but she needed me to come clean with who I was and who I loved. This is the part in the story where I say, of course I came clean. I am a badass warrior that had been through far more than that. This wasn't going to scare me or shake me. I mean, that's what I wanna say. But I'll admit that no, I didn't do this. I couldn't come clean. I knew I was losing her, but just couldn't get out of my own way. Which is funny because I was capable of so much strength for others, but being strong for me was terrifying. I just couldn't do it. I was paralyzed. And I'm not making excuses and I'm not proud of this. Opposite. Hamari was an amazing, beautiful, loving partner. I loved her and she deserved more. She deserved better. I think she knew that too. She ended up cheating on me. Yes, it's shitty, but before we stake her, let's just be tender and realize the situation she was in. I'm not saying it was okay, I just get it, especially now. Then though, I was devastated and out of my mind with grief. I was so angry and hurt. And when it was too late, was willing to do the thing that she had always wanted me to do, own who I am. But it was too late. And I'm not sure if either of us were convinced that I actually would do it. So she moved out. I had met a guy named Evan at the school campus. He was a nice guy and had become a good friend of mine. We would meet periodically and just talk about what was going on with him, what was happening with me, etc. It was never romantic. He was just nice. He was living with a group of guys. All of them were going to college except his good friend Rick, who kind of watched over the group. Evan said that Rick had saved his life and was teaching him a lot. He looked up to him. He saw Rick as his teacher, spiritual teacher. Well, my heartbreak was soon eased when I met a beautiful, in all ways, man from North Africa. He was going to college for business. He worked at the library and at a hotel where he was an assistant manager and also lived. I wasn't planning on meeting anyone, but one day I was at the library studying and I noticed him, and he noticed me. 
and I noticed him noticing me. It took a couple of trips to the library before Zane asked me out, but he finally did, and I went out with him. After that, we started dating. Nothing serious, but we were dating. I was hanging out with Evan and his friends at the time, too. Rick was great to me and Avery and was teaching me about spirituality, connecting to my guides, etc. And the guys that Evan lived with were great. Zane and I started to get serious, but had only been dating about three months when I got pregnant. Yes, you heard me correctly. I was pregnant. Avery was three at the time. I should admit something here, since you guys already know all of my shit anyway. When I was still with Henry, I tried to convince him to have another kid with me. I know it doesn't make sense because we were so miserable, but I just didn't want Avery to grow up on his own. And I knew that I could raise two kids by myself. Well, at least I thought I could. Obviously it didn't happen, but I thought I should just come clean with all of you. Moving on. I'm pregnant for the second time. This time was truly an accident though. I was super careful as I had learned the hard way what happened if you weren't. I was in shock, trying to process something that I didn't think I would have to process for many years. But here we were. Zane was thrilled and proposed to me, my second formal proposal. I said yes. I was caught off guard. I can honestly say I panicked as everything was happening way too fast. I barely knew him. I didn't know if I wanted any of this, but I said yes. And at the time I said yes, I truly believe that's what I wanted. He was a great guy, going to school for business, already had a job, and was great with my son. What more did I want? Well, before I knew it, Zane had told his whole family. His aunt and uncle lived in the States, so we went to have a celebratory dinner with them. His family was full of love, joy, laughter, loudness, and they were all really close. I came from a pretty quiet, private, and emotionally stunted family. I didn't know what to do with all the attention. They started talking about how many kids we were going to have. That wasn't it a relief that I didn't have to go to school anymore? Was I excited about spending three months a year in Africa? I'm sure I look like a deer in headlights. I'm pretty good under pressure, but I didn't know what was going on and I could feel myself getting smaller and smaller, trying to disappear and wondering when we were going to leave. I was overwhelmed and out of alignment. We got back to Zane's house and I asked him about the things his aunt and uncle said. Were they true? Did he want me to be a stay-at-home mom, have more children, and would we be spending a fourth of a year in Africa every year? The way he looked at me made me feel like somewhere or somehow we had had this conversation. That I had just forgotten that we talked about all this. That I agreed to all of this when I said yes to marrying him. He looked at me like it was a given somehow. This is nothing against him, by the way. I loved Zane. I just needed a moment. And we hadn't discussed any of this, and I sure as shit had not agreed to these things. I needed time to slow down just a bit so I could get my feet under me. I convinced myself that I had made the right decision though, that this was the right thing to do, that actions have consequences. And wasn't this what all women wanted? Yes, I realize how backwards that sounds, but that was my paradigm then. So I kept moving forward, but was really depressed. I could barely eat and felt so sick which was odd. I was so happy and healthy with Avery. I rarely got sick and so loved being pregnant with him. I just couldn't shake the feeling that this was all wrong, that I was in a bad movie or a bad dream, that I would just wake up somehow. I told Evan all of this and how upset I was. He listened day after day and finally asked me, Eva, do you want to keep this baby? I hadn't even thought of an alternative. I was offended though and said, of course I do. But as I went throughout the day, picked up Avery and took him home, it started to work me. Did I want to keep this baby? 
Mary Zane? Did I want to give up the life that I was working so hard for? I mean, some things about Zane were amazing, but let's be real. I never wanted to be a housewife. I didn't want to have more children, and I wasn't sure about going abroad for three months out of the year. I knew that I was going to regret this if I went through with it. Regret isn't even a strong enough word. More than anything, though, I didn't feel like I was in control of my life anymore. I felt like I was just getting settled and on my feet, finally going somewhere, and then BAM! It was all going to change, and it was somehow out of my hands, happening to me. Also, I didn't really know Zane. What if he and I broke up? What then? I'm just raising two kids with two different daddies on my own. I didn't want it to get to that point. Zane wouldn't flex either. In his culture, he was doing all of the right things and really couldn't understand why I was so upset or struggling with all this. Another cliffhanger, but that's all I can do today. Phew, what an episode it's been. Listen in next week as we continue my story into more life-changing events. I mean, do they ever stop coming, these delicious life-changing choices? Follow this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Reviews are always appreciated. Follow on Instagram at Eva Nelson Healing if you are doing Insta right now. I love to hear from all of you. So whether it's feedback, comments, or questions, please message me via Insta or email me at evanelsonhealing at gmail.com. Please forward this to anyone who might be interested and or enjoy being part of this journey. As I mentioned last time, I am taking on new clients for my healing services. These sessions are powerful as we diagnose, shift, and heal narratives that individuals have. The narrative is a story that keeps one blocked, small, in fear, stuck, feeling blah, etc. They are powerful healing sessions and provide real shifts and impacts. If you're interested in working with me, message me to set up a free call on Instagram at Eva Nelson Healing or email evanelsonhealing at gmail.com. With infinite awe, love, and gratitude for all of you, thank you for being on this journey with me. Until next time, see you on the other side.